0: Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Derek. I'm Craig. And with us today, we have... Yeah, this is Jeremy Lundmark. Hey, Jeremy. It's good to good to see you again.
1: I was going to say, this is the only place you're going to find me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I feel like you fell off the face of the planet there for, for a little bit um
1: yeah mission mission accomplished <laughs> we'll
2: get to that later
0: right yeah exactly exactly because you're because uh for those of you who who don't know jeremy he is the former host of after the sermon podcast which i don't think you'll be able to find anywhere anymore um so you know don't look for it um but uh and we'll we'll talk about that later um but yeah welcome back this is a good friend of the show there was
2: also an episode 38 of Tech Reformation. Yes. Where we did an episode about podcasting and the usefulness of podcasting and a bit of the resurgence, I guess, in podcasting in the last few years.
0: So, if you want to check that out. Mm-hmm. So, Jeremy, you are officially the most uh, returning guest on Tech Reformation. <laughs> you hold that title
1: thinking about that topic from last time, I feel sort of like a hypocrite now.
0: <laughs> it's super important, and now I'm gone.
2: <laughs> well, you're not really gone. You're still here. You're just not on, on a weekly one at the moment.
0: So. Mm. I am in the Christmas spirit. I am drinking eggnog, and also coffee. Gross. I'm gonna get slammed for saying that's gross, but anyway. <laughs> uh, there's, there's equal people on both sides. I will tell you what. I, I love, love eggnog, okay. but only if uh, there's something in there to cut the sweet. Um,
2: yeah, I just assumed all Americans loved it because it's in all the movies.
1: <laughs> I, I take it in small doses only. That's it. I can't drink a lot of it though.
0: Yeah. Yep, yeah. that's about right. Uh, anything interesting in anyone's weeks?
2: Well, I nearly died three times this week, but other than that, oh was- yeah. Yeah.
0: Just, but I, I drive
2: do I, I do tell. <laughs> that sounds fun. Um no, I drive a long way to work each day and um there was just it was three days in a row where bad things happened. One day I was going onto the freeway, which is a hundred and ten kilometer an hour zone, uh, and there's a roundabout to get onto the ramp to go on. And I was actually halfway turned out of the roundabout onto the on ramp when I saw a four-wheel drive and a semi-trailer coming back up the on-ramp towards me. Um, mm-hmm. And they were only probably 10 meters away, and I was doing 60 or something to start speeding up to go onto the freeway. So, I quickly jerked the wheel and went around to the right um, and avoided the 4 drive that was in front. Um, and then found out that there was a big pile-up with a truck and a bunch of cars and a helicopter airlifting someone to hospital and oh, wow. shut down part of the freeway and had to detour through all these back streets through the hills to get into town yeah so that was that was one day and then the next day exactly the same entrance point I had an old man in front of two cars in front and a full drive behind him in front of me and they both just stopped at the end of the merging lane where you meant to actually merge they oh. just both came to a complete stop in the 110 zone and so I had to break real hard and then pull over into the bike lane and wait until the cars went So, there's cars going everywhere at 110 and we just stop in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, awesome, thanks. (laughs) And then I can't remember what happened the next day, but there was something else on the third day in a row and I was just like, I need to stop driving this far to work every day or just invent invent teleporters.
0: Those of you people in America are wondering, 110 in Australia is equivalent to 68 in uh, America. So That sounds so so slow. (laughs) (laughs) 110 sounds really fast. I'm like, man, you've got some crazy speed limits. Oh, they're in kilometers. That's right.
2: Yeah. So, what is your what is your um, regular street speed limit?
0: Um, if you're talking like highway, it might be 55 to 65. Um, uh, like right. a street uh, or like a city street would be probably 25 to 35. Right. Um, suburb,
2: suburbs. Yeah, see, so 25 for us is like crawling past the construction zone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. It feels that way for us, too. It's just lower numbers. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is Tech You Should Know, where we bring you a few tech news stories from the past week that we would like to talk about. And we're back to the Samsung Galaxy Note disaster with some news this week that Samsung is pushing out an update to the Note that disables the phone from charging at all, as the company tries to force the last holdouts to turn in their incendiary devices. However, Verizon decided to be a wet blanket and communicated their intent to not allow this update to go out to their customers, saying, Verizon will not be taking part in this update because of the added risk this could pose to Galaxy Note 7 users that do not have another device to switch to. We will not push a software upgrade that will eliminate the ability for the Note 7 to work as a mobile device in the heart of the holiday travel season. We do not want to make it impossible to contact family, first responders, or medical professionals in an emergency situation, unquote. And what's better than a Note 7 to keep you warm in the cold weather as you're broken down on the interstate?
2: Oh, gosh. What do you think about that, Derek? Do you think that that's the right decision, or you you sound like you're a bit... uh? anti the verizon decision
0: (laughs) well the thing is the the carriers the mobile carriers in the united states like to have a death grip on the like the ability to uh, interact with the phones that are sold through them so uh, it wasn't until the iphone like the iphone was uh, something that broke through that like death grip that the carriers had on the phones and could get away without you know, made a deal with uh, Singular at that point, now AT&T to not put any crap on the phone that was theirs and to just and to let Apple update the phones themselves instead of through the carriers. So, Verizon is still holding on to this, <laughs> this grip. So, yeah. Galaxy and, and plus, Galaxy Note 7 users have had all this time that they've had um their phones yelling at them to hey please turn in your phone it's going to explode and they have not so they still have it it's kind of on them (laughs) fair enough there has been quite a lot of controversy around apple's new macbook pros but a new topic has been piling on the past couple of weeks since the release battery life Apple claims a battery life of roughly 10 hours on the new machines, but reviewers' actual experience has fluctuated wildly from that, with many having difficulty getting it to go past five or six hours. So Apple has responded to these complaints with a solution, taking away the time remaining uh, feature from the menu you see when you click the battery icon in the menu bar, because Apple sees it as inaccurate.
2: Seems seems like they could just issue a software update. Improving their algorithms.
0: <laughs> yeah, see that would tend to make more sense, right? There's no reason. I see no. I see no scenario where Apple how how Apple could have possibly thought this was a good idea for like for PR. You know I, I guess mean?
2: the only yeah no PR wise it's a mess, but I guess the only thing from their perspective is like it would depend what you're doing, right? So ten hours might be the rating for typing in Microsoft Word or something scrivener um Mm -hmm. but if you are uh you know editing video and animating stuff in after effects and cinema 4d and whatever then 10 hours might be unrealistic given the amount of extra processing power and stuff so i don't know yeah i think it's fair enough for it not to be just a standard 10 hour time frame
0: surely and that's exactly it i mean um i was listening to atp uh this past week um and not this past week, like today, and they were talking about how you know, processors really have gotten far more complicated since they initially made this, you know, battery life feature, like the, the you know, how long it is till your battery runs out. It used to be processors would pretty much run the same from start to finish, but now processors are much better at idling and, like... If you're just doing web browsing, you are going to be using very little of the processor and the processor will ramp up when it's time to, like, get busy in After Effects. So,
2: I wonder if um they would consider keeping the percentage, like, because I never have it as time remaining anyway. I switch the setting over to, like, at the moment, mine is charging, but it's saying 28%. Um, and I prefer that anyway, because then I'm not looking at the time. I'm kind of looking at, well... No matter what the time has been, I've used this much and I've got this much yeah. remaining. Yeah. Um, and if if I see that number drop quickly, then I go, okay, well I need to plug it in
1: sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. Jeremy, you use Windows, right?
1: I do. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't even use the battery. I don't, on my laptop, I don't ever use the battery. On my other things, I do. and I would agree with you, Craig. That it seems like they could go with like a percentage. I don't. Other. Uh, so I'm guessing there's people out there who are like that wasn't a full eight hours. Is that what their theory is? Yeah. Like, like that's, that seems kind of uh, like a basic user level. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, I looked at that 10 minutes ago, and it was definitely, you know, it definitely said 30 minutes more. Like, they got to know that it's going to jump based on Maybe they don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. See, <laughs> they
0: should know. the people, those of us who live in the who live and breathe technology, will understand that. Yeah, that that time's going to fluctuate depending on what you're doing. But maybe the large majority of people do not think that way.
2: This isn't new, though. Like it's the same with. I mean, you look at anything from the old older days of burning a DVD. Exactly. Or at at the moment, copying photos, you know, copying a whole. Cards worth of photos yeah. across or something. Depending on what else you're doing, it can say you know two minutes remaining, and then twelve minutes later, it's still going. um So you just I don't know. I never put a lot of weight on those
0: numbers. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're they're kind of a nice guide though. I mean, if you look at it and see, oh, this was fully charged, and it's been off, and it's been unplugged for half an hour, and now it's down to two hours remaining. Like. Wait a minute! There must be something in the <laughs> background that I need to <laughs> cut out.
2: Yeah, yeah, it can be helpful. Yeah, but I wouldn't rely on it.
1: Well, and you would think over time a user would start to f- figure out based on their tr- like it's just like your gas gauge. Like yes, ga- like if if they right. made that, well, I'm sure they are digital. in some of the I'm, I'm driving old cars, <laughs> but I mean <laughs> you're not sitting there like oh. That jumped to E or it says empty and I'm still driving. So we need to update this system. <laughs> like, you know how your car functions. And if you run out of gas, that's your fault. Like, you got to learn your, you got to learn your technology and how you use it. Cause now, like you said, if you're just word processing, you should be fine. But if you decide today you're going to edit a six hour video, you, you're going to see some changes. There. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. And speaking of cars. Um. The oh, thank you for the opportunity for the segue there, Jeremy. Uh, the oh, Google alright. self-driving car is no longer the Google self-driving car. It has been spun off into its own company under the parent company Alphabet, and is renamed Waymo. And that's pretty much all there is on that. It's just.
2: And it has Waymo style than the previous one. No. Um, <laughs> nice. I, I this thing looks like. Like, I'm not great at drawing. I'm okay at, like, digital design, but not great at drawing. <laughs> um Probably, I'm sure David McCookie will have plenty of feedback on that.
0: Um Obligatory David McCookie mention.
2: But this looks like the only type of car that I could draw when I was a kid. Like, yes. Oh, I, <laughs> I see that. I could only that. draw yeah. cars that look like this. <laughs> so, I reckon they've got a kid to design it.
1: It is a really now, cute car. Is anyone concerned that that name is awfully close to Whammo? I mean, <laughs> 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 just just curious if anyone else is is concerned at that point. That's that's pretty great. I
0: think the tagline, like in the video, was like uh, way up. Um, ah, never mind, I don't remember it. But it, it was like it was like playing off like the mo played off of like a bunch of different words, kind of like the I did for iMac when that was originally released, that sort of thing. All the beautiful markety words. And finally this week, Amazon Prime Video has gone worldwide with launches in over 200 countries and territories. This gives Amazon a larger distribution for streaming video than Netflix now, which only launched in 130 countries earlier this year. It's unclear what content is available, and so Netflix likely still has the edge in that department um amazon's offerings start at prices of 2.99 in u.s dollars or euro increasing to 5.99 after six months i was trying to figure out i since uh, craig obviously you're in australia and i you know so i have a little bit of a uh i i keep australia in mind now when i'm looking at these stories I, oh that's I, good to know thank you you're welcome um <laughs> i went to amazon and. Uh, in australia and i think it redirected me back to the u.s store does it do that for you or did it just see that i was in the u.s and
2: Uh, i think i can reach the u.s because i was trying to figure
0: out if like everyone has to pay a converted amount to like either dollars or euro or if it's actually customized per country
2: um i'm not sure with amazon i think uh how could i check that i don't really know um I know my Netflix costs me $9 a month Australian. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I don't know what, what Netflix is in America per month. That's uh, roughly a right. site subscription. Um, but yeah, like I haven't noticed it. I, I, I don't feel like Netflix is more expensive because of a conversion type thing. And if mm-hmm. it is, it's so minor that it's not bothering me.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling um, you actually have a better, better deal than we do on Netflix. So, I'm pretty possibly sure... because I... we have
2: less content, I think.
0: Yeah. That would be true too. That'd be true, too. Well,
2: yeah, like, it's not, it's still, there's still heaps on there. Um, yeah. There's more than I need, but uh, yeah. I think there's a slightly restricted amount compared to what's in the US.
0: Yeah.
2: I just went to the amazon.com.au, clicked on the ad for the video thing, which was on the homepage, mm-hmm. and it takes me to a, a page that says, Enjoy Amazon Originals as well as popular movies and TV shows. Introductory price of five ninety nine crossed out two ninety nine US dollars a month. So they're advertising it in U.S. dollars.
0: Ah, gotcha. So you do have to pay U.S. dollars. not uh... Yeah. Okay. Okay, yep. cool. Anyway. Well, good to know.
2: I don't think I'll bother with it because, like I said, I've got Netflix and it's doing what I need yep. to do.
0: Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, that's all the tech you should know this week. If we left something out you think we should have mentioned, feel free to email us at ask at techreformation.com. Jeremy, you you look you look a little peeved over there. You look mildly upset. Is am I detecting a bit of frustration in in your uh, in your eyes and your uh, uh, beautiful eyebrows there?
1: Yeah, you definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, why is that, Jeremy? Why is that? Well, it's mainly because there's a lot of cool things that I want that I can't have because they're too expensive. <laughs> oh dear. Which I guess is a a normal problem to have. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I've been I've been looking into these uh, home automation products, and I don't know if you guys use any of this stuff, um, but kind of got my mom was asking me what I want for Christmas, and I'm like, we're kind of past that point, but you know, (laughs) what do I ask for? So I I always look at tech stuff, and I saw that I think it was Fox News or CNN was reporting that uh, these Wemo gadgets. The the actual ad was for their outlets. Wi-Fi connectivity, you plug it into your power outlet, and then mm-hmm. anything you plug into that will run off the WeMo app. And so I started looking into that, and they also have WeMo light bulbs. And mm-hmm. in terms of the home automation stuff, they're probably the best price for what you're going to get. It's kind of like, in fact, I think it is a Belkin uh, product, ultimately, but it's sort of like your low-range home automation stuff. But, um, I mean, a light bulb, th- the package is like 50 bucks, but a single light bulb is like $25 and I, I you try to convince yourself that you're gonna save money over time, mm-hmm. but I'm still the guy who looks for the non swirly light bulbs like <laughs> for, <laughs> for like get like a dozen of them for like a bucket lows. and so like the idea of dropping twenty five bucks on a single light bulb is just tough, but I do oh, love man. the idea of like loading my house up with these uh with these power outlets that they, they basically connect to your Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the price on them was pretty reasonable, like sixty bucks. But again, that's one outlet. You could jerry rig it like I would, and, and put a you know you could put a power strip into it. Mm-hmm. But you still have to kind of work with it from there. But I love the idea of tracking that. The other thing is like thermostats. I, I, again, I love the idea of being able to control my heat from like work. And like turn it on an hour before I come home, but keep it low throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But you're you're looking at for a decent one, you could be dropping a hundred, two hundred bucks. Um and, and I know a lot of them are starter packs to get you into more stuff, but man, the price just doesn't seem worth it. I'm sure it is, like, but I'm not the type of guy who like, oh, this last year I saved a hundred dollars on my electric. <laughs> as bad as I want it as a millennial, I'm like that didn't happen fast enough. So, yeah, right. So, so I, I'm, I'm torn between... And I was trying to think to myself in preparation for this, like, what price would get me to go out and buy it? As a Christmas gift, I don't care what other people pay. But uh, for me to go out and buy it, I think, like, those outlets would have to be down in the $20 range, and the bulbs would have to be 10 or less. I just can't bring myself to spend 25 bucks on a light bulb.
0: Yeah, I feel you there. And these Wemo bulbs, they're not even... Like, they don't even, like, change color or anything. They're no, just... they don't. They,
1: di- they dim. <laughs> well that's good that's good to, that's a good feature <laughs> yeah i mean it is that i can't you see the thing with the dimming i i have no use for that <laughs> like oh, yeah. i don't i i can't personally picture myself and, and we're in an interesting situation too the house we're renting mm-hmm. um in the basement le- well, not the basement the first floor living room and everything mm-hmm. they don't have regular lights they have the uh, fluorescent foot. so this is a total non-factor for all my major living spaces. And I don't... My bedroom light is either on or off. It's not dim. Yeah, so, right.
0: Right. Well, you can get you up slow in the morning. You know, if you... I don't know if
1: you... I, that would work. If they, if you could set... and I'm sure you can set a timer to dim slowly. I can yeah. go for that.
0: I know there's a thing. I know Philips Hue, uh, Philips Hue bulbs can do that. Um, And this, this said something about dimming gradually. Yeah, I mean, this stuff is just so cool, but you have to... <laughs> Spend an arm and a leg very slowly over time in order to build up. It's like I could have one bulb that turns on and off, and I could put that right in the middle of my living room, and it would be the only bulb that would do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, I could, I would get a kick out of sitting there and playing with it for a week. You know, oh, just yeah, be like, oh, the, the kids are upstairs, just turn their lights off. <laughs> but <laughs> but after, after that week, I would be like, why did I spend. Upwards of three, four hundred dollars to get myself a thermostat yeah. and some electric bulbs and electric power outlets. It just doesn't. They they got to find a way to get the price down. I don't know what they have mm-hmm. to do, but uh,
0: yep, yep. Be less greedy.
1: <laughs> that is true. I mean, I gotta believe that this is where we're headed. You know, I right. see the the, the lo- you have locks for your house. At some point, someone's got to break in and make this uh, at an affordable price for the average person. And mm-hmm. uh, When they do that, you know, I, I was reading some of the Wemo reports. Not great reviews either on when you add more bulbs, uh, how well okay. the interface reacts to that. Um, it seems like it's an interesting game they're playing between price and capability. So uh, someone's going to break into that and make that seamless. But uh, I would love to have a whole house that was just run from my phone. I just don't... Uh, just can't afford it
0: (laughs) yeah yep. and they got to make security way better too if you remember i don't know if you heard about that uh like that huge ddos attack that happened uh, a few weeks back that was mostly responsible from like unsecure internet of things devices
1: (laughs) that is a bad thing in the market right now (laughs) I didn't even think about that. If it does go wide, people with bad, like, Wi-Fi security, you'll be driving by and you'll shut off their lights, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, why is my heat off? Well, the guy next door has the same <laughs> <laughs> setup, but he accidentally... Uh... But, you know, they've got, like... It's not like we're driving down the road opening other people's garages. You know, you've got garage door right. and stuff. It that can't was... be that hard, but it's it's well above my ability.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what throttles Jeremy's data this week let move on to our main topic. We are sponsored this week by Missional Wear, the gift shop for all you uh, reformed nerds out there. Now... I would normally be doing a Christmas pitch for uh, missional wear at this point, but if you really need uh, Christmas gifts yet still on, what, the week before uh, Christmas, you are kind of up a crick without a paddle. However, however, while you may not be able to get uh, the m- wonderful, wonderful missional wear goodies shipped to you uh, by Christmas, you know, you can always pull a hey, I don't have your gift yet, but I'll print out this picture and put it in a card that you will enjoy and then you will be able to look forward to um, because I shipped it directly to your house because I know your address. No, but really, um, they even have gift certificates so uh, your gift receiver of choice can pick, you know, whatever they want from their, frankly, it looks like hundreds of items at this point on Missionalware... Uh, as far as clothing, uh, drinkware, other random accessories, you know, just get art to hang on the wall or uh, journals or Bible covers, uh, even if you're into that. So many different designs, uh, so many different uh, styles of things. It's, it's even just great eye candy to go browse. But uh, I guarantee you that if you have someone in your life that loves theology and just loves to wear it. You can find something in Mission Aware for them. So get them a gift card, get them a, uh, hey, this is a late Christmas present, something like that. They'll love you. And thank you to Mission Aware for sponsoring this week's episode of Tech Reformation. And we're into our main topic this week. And uh, so we brought Jeremy Lundmark on because uh, he wrote an article on Theology Mix that I really related with at the time. It was called, uh, it is called, uh, Vanishing Act, Leaving the Web. Um, And the introduction uh, to it uh, goes something like this. A couple of weeks ago, I decided to shut down, for the most part, my internet presence. Prior to the proverbial disconnect, I was running a weekly podcast, actively interacting on Facebook and Twitter, engaging on blogs and Slack groups, and I was in the process of redeveloping my YouTube channel. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, I pulled the plug. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, mostly, uh, podcast, personal blog, book website, and personal website were all shut down. Um... So, Jeremy, why, where did this come from? Why did you decide to uh, do this right off the bat?
1: Well, it definitely came out of nowhere. Um, I just kind of decided. <laughs> I, can't, I can't give any reason for the timing other than, like, I listed in the article, like, three things that were really bugging me, but it mm-hmm. was just, like, all of them happening at the same time. I mentioned, I, I get pretty into politics online. And uh, with Trump winning the election, I, I, you know, neither here nor there on Trump winning. In fact, I think given the options, I'm cool with it. You know, I mean, I think we're going to have a better result than the other option. But at the same time, I was still even after they won, uh, the Trump supporters were trying to get me to and and let me say it this way, like good Christian friends that I Mm -hmm. respect were genuinely coming to me like behind the scenes, like, hey, you know, now that it's over, you know, you can support Trump, you can get behind him. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like, like I do still have principles (laughs) Yeah, and it wasn't just like a a victory, you know, win, lose or draw type of a thing for me. It's, it's more of a philosophy Mm -hmm. and it wasn't so much, I appreciate the fact that people wanted to come and, and, you know, try to influence me that way. But it was this reality that it's like, okay, I did all this work leading up to it. And you know, through the podcast, through, you know, social media, people you, know, you share articles, you write articles. Mm-hmm. Um for a while I was on Theology Mix as a uh contributor for theolitics, which was theology and politics. And it's like it's like none of that was either read or ingested. And I don't I don't write or do any of the things that I do to persuade people. But I do mm-hmm. want them to think, and I felt like none of what I was doing, which was a lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. was was actually accomplishing that purpose. Another, it's all in the same vein, but another thing was I I wrote the book, The Fury of God. That's a shameless plug right there, um, <laughs> and which you can still buy, but it, my website's down for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote I wrote a whole book, and it took me like two years to write it, another year to publish it, and uh, you you know. You still have the same cycle of interaction online, and I never want to be that guy who's like, you need to read my book. I'm not that person. But I just felt like I was seeing no change in people. And then the more I evaluated that, I was like, um, when was the last time I did see genuine change through online interaction? You know, my interaction. I'm sure there's Mm -hmm. people out there who have seen it and so i guess there was a significant amount of pragmatism to it mm-hmm. um but also weighing the value of my time versus you know what what i'm giving up here in my home as a family as a husband as a as a father uh, to do these things which are all you know i i do check in on twitter like anonymously i'm not you can actually go in and search for your name and search for you know the podcast or whatever try mm-hmm. to see if there were any follow-up comments and i think i think it was actually your sharing of this link somebody replied and said well we're jeremy's missing that uh non-majority silent people or something that that we're being touched by it and i mm-hmm. you know i get that but at the same time it's like it's awfully quiet. (laughs) Like, like you don't do it for the response, but at the same time, you just, I felt like I was constantly battling rather than actually seeing the, the positive change I wanted to see.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: know, I know there has been a lot of anxiety and like a feeling of futility around like this last election for people on all sides. Um, and were there, uh, things that were was it like weighing down on you like emotionally like were you just feeling the weight of nothing happening like that that would specifically be something that i would uh relate to in this whole <laughs> in the past several months of the internet you know um trying to uh, you know put yourself out there and being you know willing to listen to people and try to convince them and um Does that relate to you at all? Yeah, I
1: mean, I I watched a lot of uh, liberal – I watched Comedy Central news stuff like Trevor Noah and and some of that stuff. And and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I felt the same way they did in terms of like their whole world had ended. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. Like like everything we've accomplished in the last eight years is over. Like that – I wouldn't put it that way, but it was definitely this sense of whether you were Democrat or Republican in this election, you – I guess I was hoping to see people make choices based on what I would consider to be rational logic. <laughs> and I, I don't think I've ever seen an election where people just dug into Republican, Democrat. And for all, the, you know, people can vote how they want. I, I'm all for it. I'm a big proponent of, you know, vote your conscience. But mm-hmm. I didn't feel like a whole lot of people were voting their conscience, especially within the Christian community. I felt like they were voting for a justice or some bad argument about how this is better than Hillary. Mm-hmm. And and I get that, but they I felt like people bought into philosophies that were just that I was trying to break down. And so for me it wasn't so much who won the election, mm-hmm. but how people voted, like, what they based it on. And, you know, one thing I went after, and I know some other good podcasters went after too, uh, Elijah T. I even think Apologia does too sometimes, So one of the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. This whole idea that, like, you know, a vote for Hillary is a vote for Trump, or uh, a vote for a third party is a vote for Trump or Hillary or whatever, it it happened on both sides this time. Um, Like, people still believe that, and that's really discouraging for me, not... I don't care who wins. I mean, I, I, I see it as a Christian. My job going to be the same after the election. But I want people to think and to think critically. And I feel like there were so many people who were mad about the third party votes at a time when it made so much sense to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, even with Donald Trump being the, the person a lot of evangelicals went for, it's like it never occurred to them that their logic was flawed and the things that they were basing their decision on weren't principle. They weren't policy. It was just like, man, that other person's really bad. And to me, yeah. that's a really bad way to vote. Now, I know a lot of people do that, but I, I like to think my Christian brothers and sisters would, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't go that route. And I know some people, to be fair, I'm not saying all Trump supporters or all Hillary supporters didn't do it. There were people who thought it through and really good people. But mm-hmm. by and large, I mean, my average Facebook, Twitter interaction was you voted for Daryl Castle. Did you want Hillary to win? And it's like, really? <laughs> like we're we're yeah, still even after Trump won, we're still there. It's like, wow.
0: Yeah, it's just like, so you felt like you were spinning your wheels, just <laughs> nothing you were doing was affecting anything, and um, and yeah, can definitely relate to that. Um, but you not only like shut down your public uh, means of, you know, communication, but like basically. Like, I couldn't even find your email for the longest time to try to get you to uh, to talk, you know, up here. Um, so why shut everything down like Facebook, Twitter? Why not shut thing, put things down to private um, and that sort of thing? Did you just you just wanted a clean cut from like
1: everything? Yeah, I've I've left the Internet or fa- I should say I've left social media a couple times with uh, different strategies in mind. Uh, I hate to use the term strategy, but we're all engaged in it, regardless of whether we're in business or ministry. We're trying to reach people the best way. And about two years ago, I left with the sole purpose of being irritated that, um, you know, someone would read the headline of my Facebook, my blog post at the time. I wasn't doing the uh, podcasting, but they would read the headline and argue with me about the headline without even reading the article. So I decided, you know what? I'm gonna just make people go to my website and read that stuff. They won't find the link on Facebook. That was a miserable failure because people <laughs> didn't come, come to the blog. Yeah. So I mean, I have I have disavowed um, social media before, but I've never I, I've been doing web design my own. I've had my own hosting um, through One and One for since 2005. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what if this is not producing the result? What will? And I don't I don't have the article ends this way. I don't really have an answer to that question. I just know that the amount of time, energy, and effort that I was putting into these things didn't, you know the saying, you know, if you you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results, you know, that's the definition of insanity. And I thought, well, what have I never done? Well, I've never closed my uh, websites down, so let's try that. And, and, and it <laughs> sounds awfully pragmatic, and I guess it is, but um I just felt like, you know what, maybe I can turn my attention to something altogether different. Mm-hmm. I mentioned in the post itself, you know, local church, family, uh th- the things that we're probably all trying to do and encourage others to do, but maybe I can spend all that extra time just doing that.
2: Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of questions, Jeremy, that just came to mind in the last few minutes as you were talking. Um I guess firstly, the first thing I'd say as an outsider um, is that I can't claim to understand what it's been like to be in the US the last <laughs> few months. Um, Jeff Durbin commented a couple of times on apology that when he was out here for the conference that I went to, um, all, of, all of the Australian, you know, morning news shows and whatever were quite heavily talking about the election. So, we did get a lot of it, but we're, we are removed from it in, in a sense. We're allies with America, but it's not our president. Um, so... Is that, but but having said that, from my perspective, I, I totally agree. I can't see. I still can't understand why more solid Christian people didn't vote third party. That just blows my mind. The fact that people went like good evangelical people went would well, Trumps not Hillary, therefore vote for Trump, and anyone who disagrees with that is doing it wrong. Kind of thing like that. That whole mentality I think is inexcusable in a lot of ways. And I think, um, the, uh, theology league with, uh, Calvinist Batman and super theologian Calvinist girl did a, a follow-up episode to the election where they, um, uh, super theologian, uh, Kyle actually basically said he's not going to use the term evangelical anymore because it's just been tainted for him now, um, by people who have said that they are standing for something by using the term evangelical, but then standing for something quite different to that by voting for Trump. um, I guess you you mentioned apology or in the conversation. I know listening to them post election they've been and they're post millennials so they're quite um optimistic in general, uh, which in a lot of ways is great um but they've kind of been saying you know they they don't like Trump as a person um they think he's done some stuff wrong from what I gather, obviously as everyone else realizes, but they do the the conversation's kind of been more around um we've now got at least two years to. Uh, end abortion or, um, you know, like this is our window, we have to make a change now, which wouldn't have been anywhere near as likely under Hillary. So do you have any sense of, I mean, now that I know it's been a really difficult and intense period, but now that it's kind of all washing out, um, I, if I was an American, would be sort of devastated that we have someone like Donald Trump leading the country. But at the same time, um, do you have any uh, agreement with that, that sense of like, He's not Hillary, and therefore, maybe this will be possible. And, and that that would be a good outcome of what's actually not a great presidency.
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, – <laughs> I'm hopeful that Donald Trump will make good on even you know half of what he said. Um, and when we're talking about abortion specifically, I put a post out there on Facebook just because of some of my interactions with a friend. In We were going back and forth. He was really frustrated that I was still voting third party. This was prior to the election. And he was big on the, uh, you know, the justices as well as some other things. And I I basically said, you know, if Trump can reduce the national debt by one penny in any fiscal year and elect two, he was arguing that Trump would not only get one justice on the court, but two, and they would both be, you know, um, pro life. And I'm like, that whole argument to me is flawed. Anyway, we have seen the the court. Anybody who's done any history on the court, you know, Theology Mix has a great article out there. Not by me. I forget who wrote it. But um, long story short, they we've had the justices from the Republican Party for a long, long time, and it hasn't produced the result. Am I hopeful that it will? Absolutely. And I think I'm hopeful that this will be one of those situations where we can hold Republican evangelicals accountable because they. They really cast a tough vote, and those who did the next time around, you know, and I keep saying this is where my defeatism comes in a little bit. It's mm-hmm. like you should have known before this, but here we are this time around. Maybe you'll realize that the third party route is the better way, or maybe we won't need to because we'll stop choosing such terrible options for Christians. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a fair, <laughs> fair way to put it. But, but no, in, in terms of being positive on it, I do think Trump was the best. Um, option in terms of somebody who could do anything with the abortion issue. And I'm hopeful that uh, I mean, two things have to happen. We need to get a Supreme Court justice who will vote pro-life, and we need a case to go to the Supreme Court. If those two things don't happen, it's not going to matter anyway. Um, mm. I do know Congress uh, not just with Trump, but we do have a very good looking Senate and, and House right now. So um, if ever there was a time that Republicans could put their money where their mouth is, uh, George W. Bush was the first one. This would be their second time they have an opportunity to do something. And, you know, I'll probably be back in four years doing the same thing if Trump doesn't own up. But uh, but I, my my thing that I put on Facebook was if Trump can reduce the national debt by one penny and get those two Supreme Court justices, I would vote for him in the next election. So, um, I mean, to me, if that's – I'll put a high enough priority on those things. Uh, I don't think he'll accomplish either thing. I think he'll give one – conservative justice to keep his promise and if he gets to elect another one um he will appease the the left to to stay relevant when the next election comes around and no president since eisenhower has reduced the uh national debt and eisenhower was the only one so uh, in the 1900s <laughs> so um if he can accomplish those tasks I'll say you know what he proved me wrong I'll I'll cast a vote for him you know <laughs>
0: Uh, and and I don't really want to turn this into a politics podcast, although I think we're already there. But um, uh, my my point, in, I guess my point in, in bringing all this up is like all this, I mean, at this point, I'm just tired of politics. I'm tired of people talking about it. And I'm looking over quite uh, uh, jealously over at your position there, Jeremy, uh, of someone who is not at all on Facebook, on Twitter at all. And we've been talking about... The topic of tech disconnectedness, I think it was two weeks ago, um, which was I mean, which was a good conversation. Um, and so my question was it would be you, you mentioned about you know concentrating on you know doing your vocation, uh, being being with your family, uh, being a father, uh, husband, et cetera. How has this changed for you? Uh, changed your outlook or your motivations in, you know, quote-unquote, real life?
1: Well, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, that's the only way to go. There hasn't been a whole lot of adjustment at this point. Um, we've been, for those who followed the podcast and, you know, what I've been going through the last year, um, back in last October, I stepped down from pastoral ministry full-time to... Mm-hmm basically be a guy in a call center that's what i do now yeah right which i'm totally okay with it's not to put that down but it's a huge life adjustment and not only that i went from being an independent baptist pastor to um trying to find my way into an orthodox presbyterian church seeing as there's no reformed baptist churches in my area so um it when you're on facebook and twitter things happen very fast and You know, I've been off. It's interesting. This is actually happening, I think, one month after I disconnected most of everything. And I would say at this point, I'm just now starting to turn that corner and get ideas as to how how I can leverage all that ability in tech and time to work with my family. And, you know, right now it's mostly ideas. Um, I've been adding apps to my phone that are more, um, they're kind of lame, but they, they do the trick like, you know, get up early every day. You know, mm-hmm. rather than spend my time, you know, dwelling on what I'm going to do this week for the podcast, you know, what can I do for my family to uh, to get us more involved at the ch- local church? Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, that's going to be a tough – our family, people think that pastors and uh, they have this, this great home life that's spiritual. The truth of the matter is, at least in my situation, I guess I can't speak for everyone, um, <laughs> it actually took away from that. I went into the ministry about – a year after I got married. And so the entire time that I have been married with my wife and my family, my kids weren't born at the time, obviously um, we've never gone to church like a normal family. So this is, it sounds utterly ridiculous, but we've never become members of a church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we were brought in as members to to, so it wasn't, it's not like we ever came to a church visited figured it all out, and so we're, you know, we're in the process of membership right now at the church, um, which, again, with scheduling conflicts and work, and my wife works every other weekend, which is making it even more difficult, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to start catechizing my children, um, and I'm trying to figure out a good time to do that. Um, Catechism's not really a Baptist thing, but it's, you know, they have a great kids catechism through the Presbyterian Church, and these are just little things that I want to start implementing in our family. And it is gonna take time and the time is there now and that's what's good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've heard it said um in uh looking into you know teaching kids how to how to learn things, um, and that, that there was a phrase someone said that um when you're bored is when you start uh really finding out what you're interested in. And and I see, I've been watching myself the past couple of weeks interact with my phone and with Facebook and Twitter and just constantly, like, when I'm bored, I go I go to Facebook and Twitter. It's not something that I like admitting, but it is a thing. Um, and even taking, like, I took, like, a day off of Facebook and Twitter, like, I guess earlier this week. And even that, I started feeling like, Oh, hey, there's, there's something to this. Like, if I'm not, if I'm not constantly interacting with all of the people yelling at, on Twitter, I follow a lot of liberal people and a lot of conservative people. And so I get both sides. I'm somewhere in the middle. And, um, it just occupies so much of my brain space with things that ultimately I can't change right now. And, um, I'm wondering if I need a little bit more boredom in my life. (laughs) <laughs> to, instead of occupying my brain with things that I really can't that I would basically be spinning my wheels on you know what I mean
1: yeah for sure yeah I know one thing that I have been doing more of which this is going to sound bad too but uh, I haven't had a chance to read books in a year like yeah I just and I finally got around to reading um well I don't need to name the book but uh a book by on, a, on an eschatological topic I wanted to read for a long time and I just never did and I was like, well this is interesting. <laughs> this whole <laughs> this whole reading thing. And it's for me, uh I've been doing this for so long where it used to be I would read a quote, I'd read like three or four pages of like an Edwards or a Spurgeon, and I have to post a quote on Twitter or Instagram or take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to do that. And it's it is weird because I've only been off for a month, and this happens every time. Um it's so weird how you like, I've already installed a whole bunch of news apps and things to take the place of, like, when I'm sitting there and I have to do something. You know, like, yeah. I've got Google Hangouts, because there are a few people, like my wife, I text her. When I go on break at work for 10 minutes, I pull my phone out. I just do. So, millennials, this this whole generation is kind of odd. We're going to have our own little thing there. Uh-huh. Um, but, I, you know, I've got a whole bunch of apps now that notify me when news articles are, are out and the neat thing is i can read those think about them and then not write an article or do a podcast on it and mm-hmm. whether, whether that's good bad or indifferent i don't know i'm hoping <laughs> my hope is that i will put all that energy and effort into having those conversations with my family mm-hmm. rather than with this unknown universe that is out there that has names and faces but you know they're at the end of the day we're not really connecting with one another in like you said real life
0: yeah so how long do you think you're going to be uh social media free Like, free of an internet presence.
1: So, I don't know. I'm torn on it. I had a a crazy, I've had crazy thoughts both ways. Um, Theology Mix wants me to bring After the Sermon back at some point, and Uh I may do that. Understandably
0: so. It's a great podcast.
1: Yeah, and I I may do that. Um, I have considered a whole different format altogether, Um, Mm -hmm. like a five-minute YouTube type thing where we just hit a topic and then walk away and let people talk about it. That would be easier in terms of time usage, and it would still accomplish the purpose. Mm-hmm. The other thought I had was going the other direction. Like today, I had this crazy thought. I was like, "What if I didn't have an email account?" Like that—that that to me is like the—I uh, <laughs> know, I know. I'm like <laughs> it's like burning your house down. <laughs> yeah. After it was some. A lot of people don't know this because I'm not a big phone user. But after I cut the social media, I realized I really have very little use for my telephone service because oh, I do. I yeah. can do just about everything with Hangouts or Voice. I was like, I don't... I, I'm not a data... I use Republic Wireless. There's another shameless plug. Um, and <laughs> they're super cheap, and you can get, like, call and text for, like, 15 bucks. But I don't... Didn't need it anymore, because I can text my wife with Hangouts. Who else do I need to be in contact with? <laughs> like, I couldn't <laughs> answer that question, so I cut that as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I thought about it. There's just too much with email. So I've thought about going either direction. I just don't see myself cutting email. So probably... In terms of length of time, uh, a month is the longest I've ever done, and today is a month. It'll probably be longer than that, and I don't know. I I, I did tell Theology Mix I will be jumping on there from time to time to blog. Um, They have a great uh, setup there, and they have a a big enough reach to where uh, I can jump on and do things there. And, um, you know, what that's going to look like after the new year, I I don't know. I haven't really decided yet, so. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, cool. Well, I wish you luck in your – Craig, did you have anything else?
2: Yeah, um, I'm I'm. I'm glad to hear that you'll still be around Theology Mix um, and that there's at least a discussion going on about um, the possibility of after the sermon coming back or taking a different form. I think one thing I would uh, say is I, I, I admire your, um, I guess, like the willingness you've had, Jeremy, to say, like even though this isn't something that's n- just like going with the norm, I'm going to do it anyway because it's what's right for me and my family at this point in time. Um, so that I guess that's like a conscience issue. Like you've come to a point where <clears throat> you realize that what was happening wasn't helpful at all and it wasn't helping other people the way that you were hoping it would. Um, which probably isn't your fault. It's probably mostly the way that they were dealing with the content you were producing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the fact that you've, you've kind of said, look, I need to do, uh, the right thing by me and my family. Uh, and so I'm going to make these fairly, what seemed to a lot of people probably like fairly drastic changes. Um, uh, I admire that. I think, uh, in terms of tech reformation and just thinking through like, um, you know, we try and work out how can we reform technology use and, and all that kind of thing. And Ben and Derek have this ongoing battle about, um, tech being neutral or not. Um, (laughs) I can say anything.
0: Ben's not on this week.
2: Yeah, I know, (laughs) but I'm trying to have, I've got a little bit Ben in my head, um, (laughs) uh, which is a little bit creepy, but I can just sort of, um, hear his side of this conversation as well. And I think, the way that I sort of am looking at it uh, at the moment, I mean, we've just had a, a child this year and that, you know, and I work, you know, long out, like every day is at least a 12 hour day for me by the time I leave and work and get home again. Um, so I'm already feeling stretched for time to spend with my family. Um, and I like, I put in as much as I can, um, but there have been times where I've thought, you know, um, things like the podcast and I have a blog um, uh, that I, I write on occasionally. and I. I I just haven't been blogging this year. I have been podcasting, but I haven't really been blogging very much at all. Um, and I guess the way I look at it is is kind of I, I had to make a shift. I think when I first started blogging, it was partly for me and it was partly the same kind of thing as you. I thought, you know, maybe some of my non-Christian friends will read this and, and interact with some of the things I'm writing about. You know, there's a big post up there about gay marriage and or gay marriage or whatever, um, different topics like that. And then, as time's gone on, it's become more of something that I do um, without any ex- expectation necessarily that it's going to change anyone's mind about anything. It's just something that I do to record my thoughts and to, because um, I like to create things. I like to create content. I like to write. Um, I like to think through things and then put that down in some kind of coherent form um, for my own benefit, if not for the benefit of others. So, um, that's been a bit of a shift that I've made in terms of that side of like content creation. Tech reformation is not just on me. There's four of us. So, um, <laughs> I just have, we just have a conversation. If that's useful to people, that's great. So again, it's kind of like, um, the way I'm approaching tech at the moment and the way, particularly the, the content creation side of it is more of a standpoint of, um, you know, I'll, I'll I can do it. I've got, I've got time to do this much of it. Um, and I don't have time all the time to do the blogging side of it. Um, but the bits that I will do, I'm going to try and focus on doing them, you know, sort of for myself, for my own learning and for my own thought processing rather than to try and, um, convince, like you said, you're not trying to persuade everyone of everything. And I think that's a good way to be online because there's just too much, um, you know, not to go too far down the tech neutrality thing, the te- <laughs> technology itself, the social media itself isn't a bad thing, but there are a lot of people who are really uninformed, who don't think before they speak or type, um, and it can get really draining. So, uh, I think it's certainly valid to just to take, a, take a step back and sort of say, you know, the tech may not be evil, but it's being a problem. It's a problem for me at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so, I'm going to change the way that I interact with it or in in your case, fairly drastically um, reduce my interaction with it altogether. Um, So I don't know, that's not like a really nice ending to my thought process through the interview, but I guess that, does that kind of make sense in terms of the way that I've, that I think about it?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's a great way to look at it. And I I did want to throw like a disclaimer in there too, at some point here, and this is a good place to do it. (laughs) Um, I at no point, wanted anybody to look at my action of vanishing, so to speak, yeah. um, as a model. Um, I, at some point I'm going to find a balance that I'm happy with that works for, for our family, for our local church. But, you know, it, in the transitions that we've gone through in the last year were significant and, um, you know, one of the things I've been wrestling with just as a, in a personal sense is, you know, where do I fit in terms of ministry? And I think a lot of times, mm-hmm. As a pastor and as somebody who has that, that background and that education, I use the podcast and these things to to really do things that maybe I'm not necessarily quote-unquote called to do. And I, I, I even question that phraseology. But um, how much of this is me just trying to fill a void that, you know, and so all that to say this is a very personal decision. I It was not a teaching lesson for everybody else or, um, you know, my goal wasn't to have, you know, all the podcasts, you know, I didn't even think about theology mix in the podcast network when I did it. Um, you know, that wasn't in my, I don't, <laughs> I write for theology mix, but there's a lot of people who see me connected to it as a, like a face of it. And I hadn't even really thought that through. Um, and, you know, I, my goal was not to be like, Oh, well, theology mix should close and everybody should close down their blog. <laughs> uh, that is, that is certainly not in any way, shape or form my objective. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I think it will have an impact on some people. Um, you know, it already has, but more importantly, it's, it's gotta be for my family. And when I do come back, if I do, I want it to be more strategic than it was just, because even when I was preaching, I would, I was teaching at the local school and a lot of it became obligatory. And what you described as, you know, you don't just do it to persuade people. You do it because you have a passion for the content creation. I think that's critical. Um, and I had lost a lot of that, like with after the sermon, I would be, I'd wake up Monday morning being like, I got to put something together for this. And Mm -hmm. that, that sense of obligation, this happened to me in ministry too. You know, I have to put a sermon together this week. It, it steals from the joy of the content creation. And I think ultimately steals away from the, the impact that it could have. um, And it makes you focus like I was uh, in more, more so on how it's going to affect other people than it is for the sake of doing the content creation. So I think you made a good point there. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would present this as an opportunity not for, like, everyone to just shut everything down. But, but like, uh, your post um, prompted me to start thinking more critically about, you know, if I were to lose Facebook and Twitter today, like, really, what would I be losing? And what would I gain yeah. from this? Um, and even when I argue about, you know, t- tech neutrality... Uh, My point is that you know evaluating the technology that we use is super important. Um, It's uh, it's freeing to be able to you know cut the fat, so to speak. I was listening to a church tech uh, podcast, uh, I guess like a week week and a half ago, that was really encouraging to me. Encouraging people to like just concentrate, like figure out what is important to you, and go do that. Like, cut everything else out. Just, um, you know, free yourself from the things that are not ultimately helpful. Anyway.
2: Derek, would you say that it's good advice to, if you're going to uh, examine the, or reconsider, what, I can't remember the phrase you used, uh, examine the technology you use and work out where you can cut out the fat. Um, I'd say that's great advice. I would just add one thing, which is, examine the way you use it. Yeah. And right. Like, you know, so don't put it all on the tech and go, if I remove this piece of tech from my life, my life will instantly get better. Right. Right. Um, right. It may get better, but it may, it may also have gotten better if you did, if you did the interaction with that tech in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there are two, there's different ways of going about it. Not to say that what Jeremy's done is wrong. Um, it, it's, it sounds like it's definitely the right move for him at this point in time. And he's now in a point where he's got time and space to work out where, um, um, what the next step is, if there is a next step or if this is something he wants to continue with because it is actually just more beneficial for for the family and, and, and for ministry. So I think that's great advice. People, We should constantly be evaluating the tech that we use and the benefit it has in our lives. But I think also the way that we – because interaction with technology is a choice. No one's forcing you to use Facebook. No one's forcing you to use Twitter. No one's forcing you to check them uh, multiple times a day. Uh, That's something that I think becomes habitual um, and habits can be broken and changed and adjusted if we realize that they're unhelpful. So, um, yeah. So I think it's, it's certainly a worthwhile conversation to have for sure.
0: Well, thanks for coming on, Jeremy. It's been a great conversation.
1: Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and I love your show. I love the tech stuff. So I'm always, (laughs) when I'm, Mm -hmm. when I'm at work, I'm reading when I'm not on a call. Sometimes when I am on a call, I am reading text stuff, so it's always good to check in on you guys. In fact, when you were doing the news right now, I'm like, oh, I didn't read that. That's interesting. <laughs> awesome. So I appreciate what you're doing. So. <laughs> well, thanks. All right. Does anyone have any recos this week? All right, yeah, my rec over this week would be uh, Stripe. I had the opportunity to, I already told you guys this, but for the podcast's sake, um, I got to work with the Dolly Parton fundraiser. I wasn't there. Our call center was working on it. And uh, I've used Stripe for credit card processing in the past, but uh, we actually confirmed at least over 10,000. We were like around 10,500 transactions within a two-hour period. I did not realize that it had that kind of a potential to it with no hiccups whatsoever. And, you know, you had 150 agents across multiple States using their website to crank out transactions. Um, I did like 70 myself and the total amount was like 500,000. Um, if you average about 50 per donation. So just given a, given a record of Stripe, if you're not using Stripe for your online transactions for your web design, I'm not using anything now cause I'm offline, but, but, uh, I, I was blown away by the, the ability of Stripe to, uh, to handle all those transactions, donations, whatever. Um, I was expecting some sort of fallout. So kudos to Stripe. And if you're not using it for online transactions, certainly worth looking into.
2: Cool. I've also got a reco this week. I'm going to reco some, uh, Christmas music. It's probably by the time this posts, we're into the last week before Christmas. So we're sort of running low on Christmas music peak listening time. Um, But I would say if you're at all into Christmas music, definitely check out uh, David Crowder Band's O for Joy album. Um, O for Joy is a great album with uh, some really cool takes on a bunch of uh, proper Christmas carols. So they don't do the, um, they don't so much do the, the worldly ones. It's, it's, quite Christian ones and they do really cool versions. So I would check that out and have a look at that. And also um, the modern post, which is like Dustin Kensru's side project. Um, uh, they did, they came out with an album, I think it was either last year or the year before. It was actually an EP, sorry, not an album um, called Lowborn King. Uh, it's got about, I think five or six songs on it. Um, it's just kind of a, another cool uh, take on Christmas tunes. So, if you're into listening to Christmas music this time of year, um, check out those two music records.
0: And if you would like to contact us, you can connect with us in our Slack team at slack.techreformation.com. Uh, join the conversation there. Feel free to respond to this podcast or any previous podcasts that we've uh, talked about in the hashtag uh, episode discussion.
2: And you can also visit our website at techreformation.com to search for past shows and topics. Just use the tags um, and the search bar to try and find something that hopefully we've talked about some stuff that would be of interest to you. And if you're feeling really generous and Christmassy, you might even want to donate to help keep the podcast running. Um, so you can do all those things as well as finding an easy link to the Slack on our website.
0: Hey, recommend us to a friend if you like the show, um, especially if this was a topic that you feel is uh, uh, relevant to someone. Um Listener referrals are really the best way to get us spread around, so feel free to share us. Jeremy Lundmark, thank you for joining us on the show this week. Uh, Would you like to tell the listeners where they cannot find you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you cannot find me on Twitter or Facebook or uh, LinkedIn, which really, who uses LinkedIn? I was going to say, that's... I did just jump off of Instagram, so you won't find me there, but you can, if you did want to listen to past episodes or look at past articles, I'll be popping up here and there on TheologyMix.com, helping those folks out, and no, I do not run that website. (laughs) Uh, And it is Christmas time, so this is our last episode of the
0: year. I'm sure as you can hear that uh, jingly Christmas music in the background, we are uh, uh, in a Christmas spirit, so... Uh, This will be the last episode for the year, so we'll see you in uh, January. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for listening this year. It's been good. We look forward to talking to you again next year. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next year.